guess Christmas is is hitting everybody early. That's tend to happen. You know, nothing really gets done. Did I retweet? No, I didn't retweet. <laughs> Let me go to the twatter. I got a notification. Uh, oh, you do play Spider Wings. I, I did not know that. Oh, let's look you up. I am GLFing my staples. Peak Monsters. Is, is it under the same name, AA Gabriel? Uh, nothing under that name. Uh, then wanting to buy some bots to either play ranked for me or rent out all my good cards. Yeah, that is doable. And gold foiling, yeah. Um, a oh, no wise, yeah. All right. Yeah, it looks like you have some. So a couple of max level level betas, a little bit of untamed. Here's some gold foils. Level eights. So nice gold level deck. Yeah. Totally rentable if you want to. You know, so if you put this on deck 404, uh, you'd probably make something like, I don't know, let's see, we've got 863,000 Dark Energy Crystals. Divided by 24 seasons. No, no. That's not really. Times 24 times point. Three divided by 24. Yeah. 10,000 10, deck a season, something like that. That's just a ballpark estimate. Let's see what you've been doing with it, though. Monster, market, analyze rewards. Yes, deck 404. That's one of the services that Gerber and I run. You know, what we do, what that does is it shares you, you know, so you, it's an account, you delegate your cards to the account, somebody else comes in and plays it, and then, you know, you split the rewards. Uh, it's, you know, 100% hands-off automated. Why do I keep changing? The name has not been changed. Deck 101 is the name of the, if you want to liquidate your rewards, where you send cards, you get Dark Energy Crystals back. Deck 404 is the name of the, of the system for the account splitting. So that is not different. Uh, let's do quests. Let's see, tournaments, battles. All right, so on AA Gabriel, since the 15th, which was the, um, you know, the new season, uh, you won 400 deck in, um, in a tournament, which is nice. Uh, Mike is a little low, interesting. I haven't changed anything. Let's boost the game. Lock uh, volume. Properties? No. Let's try advanced audio properties. Uh, mic auxiliary. Let's do that. Does that sound any better? Should be pretty much the same. All right, so battles, 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 battles. Oh, it doesn't sum them? That's kind of annoying. Oh, here we go. Battles, you made 4,000 Dark Energy Crystals. Oh, maybe because Jukebox is still online. <laughs> and for cards, you made 3,000. Okay, 
quests, 832. Not too shabby. So since then, you've made uh, 40, 57, 32, 35, 8, So yeah, it'd be comparable, basically, to playing on your own. Uh, maybe, you know, depending on your luck, you know. So that's always the thing, is with the rewards cards, especially on the silver and gold decks, uh, you know, the rewards, the rewards chests are relatively low in number. So if you just happen to get lucky and you get a gold foil, it just blows everything out. Uh, but if you don't, then, you know, it can be lower. So luck works both ways. And Inertia wants me to pump it again. Let's pump it. Pop it. Let's do four. Four decibels. Yasik's in the house. Paco's in the house. All right, I guess, you know, people just taking Christmas off, and, and that's cool. I <laughs> I understand. But, you know, since we did get a few people, I was about to call it quits earlier, but, uh, you know, we'll go ahead and do it. Do it. It's one of my favorite memes. Do it. Right there. So, yeah, let's uh, let's check out uh, stuff that's going on. So I actually made a list uh, this this week. Uh, but, yeah, I, so the, the show starts at 4 Eastern. I get an alert on my phone at 345 saying, you have a, a calendar event coming up. I was like, oh, crap, I have a show today. So uh, this is a little bit last minute, but I did prep, you know, earlier in the week, which is kind of amazing for me. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. I started, again, my tax business, I started uh, do, using Monday.com, which is a project management system, and actually created a board for, uh, for Monster Maverick Show here, and it has, like, all the topics and everything and notes on things. Uh, a. Gabriel is saying XRP is foreseeing a lawsuit from the SEC. Yes, that is the news that uh, the SEC is going after Ripple for selling an unregistered uh, security in the form of XRP tokens. Um, that's it's a hard, hard argument to make because, you know, there's in the U.S. Uh, securities law, there's what's called the Howey test. And this is getting really far afield of Spoonerlands. But um, basically, you have to you have to like as as an investor in order to, for it to be a security it has to you have to be giving somebody money uh a third party you have to have an expectation of of gain uh or value uh the efforts of that gain have to be based on the third party's efforts rather than your own in efforts and uh what's the fourth uh t part of the howey test i'm drawing a blank uh hey yeb is in the house He's got the, the show in his calendar now. <laughs> yeah, the the Scarred Llama with, uh, on low mana matches can be devastating. Uh, anyway, so let's go... Oh, they actually have a section on crypto market. That's interesting. Blah, blah, blah. blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. Specifically, the Howey test determines that a transaction represents an investment contract if a person invests his money in a common enterprise and is led to expect profits solely from the efforts of the promoter or a third party. And uh, let's see, Howey test being applied to crypto markets. Uh, the Howey test has remained a notable determiner of regulatory oversight for many decades. In the past few years, it has been called into question most frequently in conjunction with discussions about cryptocurrencies and blockchain, blockchain technology. Uh, SEC is becoming increasingly interested, sure, uh, because they're not very good at fighting back. <laughs> uh, digital currencies like Bitcoin are notoriously difficult to categorize in this way because they're not securities. 
Uh, they are decentralized and designed to evade regulations in many ways. Nonetheless, investors who have moved quickly to buy up the latest digital currency in the hopes of turning profit are undoubtedly engaging in behavior that could be characterized as speculation. Yes, you can speculate on anything. From the perspective of the Howey test, the operative question in this case is whether or not cryptocurrency investors are participating in a speculative enterprise, and if so, if the profits those investors are hoping for are entirely dependent upon the work of a third party. Uh, yeah, so, you know, you know, I'm not in Ripple anymore. I, I bought some, you know, way back in the in the go-go days, but, um, you know, I so, sold it all and took a loss. But, uh, you know, from what I recall, you know, the Ripple organization that wasn't promising anything. Uh, they were just saying it's going to be a transactional currency amongst amongst banks. So uh, I don't know how they're going to make that, how the SEC is going to win that one. But, uh, you know, possible, you know, Ripple just rolls over. Because, you know, <laughs> the SEC likes to make examples of people. And, uh, you know, if you if you put up too much of a fight uh, and you're too well defended, you know, like Elon Musk has done, uh, they don't do anything. But, um, you know, if you're like a small fry and they know they can bulldoze you, then, then they'll come after you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Oh, fine. Bron's coaching some, some users on how to join the voice channel. So, yeah, I, I personally don't see the SEC winning that case against Ripple. You know, anything can happen, but, um, you know, it's whatever it is. Um, you know, what does that mean for crypto in general? Not much. The, you know, some, some cryptos are definitely securities. So, like, um, you, know, uh, you know, Proof of Home, which is the company that uh, aggroed me and uh, Scaredy Cat Guide are all... Uh, are putting together that's definitely security and we registered it as a security we paid the legal fees and you know the lawyers to draw up the, the the language and everything and you know we're under specific um uh, re uh regulatory exemptions as far as the uh you know who we can who we can bring in as as members of that company and who we can sell shares to and all that kind of stuff uh so you know 100% it's a security you know people are putting money in we the managers of the company are deploying that capital to buy real estate and then the real estate generates a yield that yield gets translated back into uh, you know net asset value and uh, the price of the token you know should go up over time um, <laughs> he takes it said it's ripple wins that's a huge shield granted for the entire crypto sphere if you can't even if you can't even get ripple in trouble you can't get anyone in trouble yeah because ripple is like the least crypto of all cryptos so yeah there's there's something to that uh but you know so point is there are security there are crypto securities out there so uh so you know proof of home is a security and uh we have done the work to uh to justify that and and make that okay um you know, Ripple, I don't think it is. Uh, Yield Bonnet, the, the, the crypto loan I was floating, or had been floating, uh, is not a security. It's a loan. Uh, and it's in the language specifically specifies, you know, uh, schedule of repayments and, and interest rates and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, the details matter. You can't just say, oh, it's a cryptocurrency, therefore it's a security. Uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, not true. <laughs> uh, a. Gabriel says, I'm surprised USDT is still going. US, you know, I've really come around on USDT. So uh, for those who are not up on the on the intricacies of of I guess DeFi gossip, 
so USDT is Tether, which is created, uh, it's a stable coin representing one US dollar. And since its beginnings, you know, it, they, you know, the Bitfinex, the people who run, who operate USDT, uh, have said that it, you know, there is one dollar in a bank account for every one USDT on, on a crypto market. And uh, people have been saying that's nonsense, you know, show us the proof, you know, be audited and all this kind of stuff. And Bitfinex has, has said, you know, over and over again that like nobody, we would audit, we would publish an audit, but nobody amongst the, like the big four accounting firms will, will do an audit on a crypto project like this. Uh, so they, uh, like two years ago, a year and a half ago, something like that, they had a, uh, a law firm come in and, uh, <laughs> publish a report and the, the law firm said that, uh, yes, there on, on this date that we examined things, there was $1, you know, there was a matching balance in bank accounts between the balance of the, um, uh, you know, tether, um, tether, uh, coins. So, um, you know, I and many others said, well, that's not really saying anything because just because, <laughs> just because there's a, a bank balance, assuming that's true, let's, you know, for the sake of argument, let's say that's all true. Uh, just because there's a bank balance there doesn't mean that that capital is freely available. You know, it could be encumbered any number of ways. Uh, maybe it was put there the day before and then it was taken out the day after. We don't know. Uh, you know, but, you know, over over the last year or so, I've, I've come around and I've thought like, so, you know, Dick did saying that Bitfinex had to switch banks. Uh, or no, that's not the, that's not the comment. Um, he was saying that uh, USDT is more backed by USD than USD is. And that is true because there is no backing uh, for USD, you know, even even reserve requirements at banks have been totally eliminated over the past couple of years. So, <laughs> yeah, there, there's always the disclaimer: this is not financial advice or to be used in place of an audited financial record certified by an accountant. Yeah, and that's uh, like in in financial statements when when accountants like me, you know, draw P and Ls and things for for people trying to get mortgages and things. There's always a disclaimer at the bottom. That says yes, these records were provided to us by this you know individual or this company, and uh, you know, basically, you know, it is, it is what it is. You know, this is this is this is what this person is saying, and based on the records that have been provided to me, this is what it is. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but you know, the the problem with USDT that people have is that the um, is that you know we have these big printings you know, uh, one day will come by and they print 3 billion USDT or, you know, 57 million or, you know, whatever the number is, some big number. And people find that, you know, incredulous. Uh, but, you know, when we're talking about the crypto world, it's very, very small. It's very small in, in terms of, you know, the financial markets of the world. So it's easily possible that, you know, Bitfinex has some, has some backing from various lending facilities and they just tap a credit line and they bring in, uh, you know, 100 million US dollars, and then they issue 100 million USDT, and there it is. And that's, uh, it's not unencumbered that way, but it's, you know, it's there. So I, I tend to, I, I've, I've kind of softly reversed my opinion on them. I think, I think they are doing what they say they're going to do. Uh, how much that's worth? Hmm, I don't know. So ba basically, under that scenario, they are tokenizing um, they are tokenizing, uh, you know, loan balances. Uh, and, you know, there may be some unencumbered capital there. Who knows? 
Uh, yeah, it says if USDT is backed by something that isn't backed by anything, then USDT isn't backed by anything. And that's true. You know, it's it's tur it's turtles all the way down. You know. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, people are uh, people do ha have opinions on on USDT, but you know, as long as the market um, you know keeps valuing it at a dollar, then it'll stay at a dollar. Uh, you know. I, I, I have one thing I've not heard is anybody um, anybody uh, having problems redeeming any kind of USDT. I don't know if anybody has, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't even matter if USDT is backed by anything. All that matters is if we can trust Bitfinex to maintain the peg. Can we? That is the question. And yeah, so far, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully, they are smart enough to not overextend themselves and uh and blow up the whole market because you know so much of of stablecoin pricing is in usdt although there are more and more competitors now there's there's Dai, there's um there's usdc from coinbase and circle there's um there's now usdn which is on waves they're, you know their blockchain uh so lots lots of lots of competitors but usdt is still the the market leader um but that is that is i think eroding is it possible to redeem USDT? You know, I'm not 100% sure. I've never tried, certainly. I don't I don't actually use USDT very much. The only USDT I have is inside of a curve pool because I just have to have it as part of the pool. Uh, but, you know, we're, we are getting uh, pretty pretty far afield, I think. But, you know, all this matters for... <laughs> we have HBD. <laughs> uh, HBD is the worst uh, stablecoin ever invented. Or... Um, or, uh, you know, like Addicted has published many articles on, on how, you know, it's a great trading vehicle just because it bounces around so much. So from that perspective, it might be the best stable coin. <laughs> and Inertia saying you can redeem USDT ERC-20 for whatever it is that Tron calls its contract. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are multiple versions. Uh, so that's certainly true. But, uh, you know, th this is actually jumping ahead of a... Um, uh, of my schedule here, but uh, during the AMA last week, you know, with Yaba and and Agrode, um, they were talking about dark energy crystals, uh, inflation, and some of the market dynamics there. So, uh, you know, the with a lot of the new features that are launching, you know, with lands and with the guild uh, brawls and all these kind of things, there's going to be a lot more sinks for dark energy crystals, and in in crypto terms, you know, normally that's like, oh, you know, we're burning tokens or reducing supply or, or adding sinks, whatever terminology you want to use, means, yay, you know, price is going up, right? Because all things being equal, the same market value or same market capitalization, the lower the supply, the higher the token price in order to balance that out. So, uh, but, uh, so the, one of the things Yada said was that they plan to launch a second reward pool, which is increasing the dark energy crystal inflation and uh, so that more inflation will be needed to accommodate the sinks in lands and guild brawls. So that's, that's uh, counteracting that. And they went on to say that, um, you know, the way to kind of think about it is that cards and, and you know, in the future lands uh, will probably be the appreciating assets that people hold. Uh, and dark inch crystals will be more akin to a stable coin. And I, I think that is true. So, you know, stable, the, the dark energy crystals are definitely more liquid than cards, uh, you know, monsters, summoners, and lands, and totems, you know, 
that we'll hopefully get in January. Uh, and so, you know, Dark Angel has liquidity, but it's going to be more range bound. So, you know, the uh, I, I think that's that's a good thing to keep in mind. And we'll see if Gerbot's actually working uh, right now. So let's do deck USD both. Are we going to get anything? Maybe not. But <laughs> I did figure out, uh, this is pretty fun. I did figure out how to bring up Dark Engine Crystals on TradingView. So I made a, uh, a custom uh, a custom formula to get into the, uh, the USD pricing. So let's take this off log scale. Doo, 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 doo. Let's, no, let's keep it on log scale. So there's some kind of issue with the price feed in that the, um, you know, sometimes it gets multiplied by like a thousand. I, I don't know why. Let's see. Let's do like that. Okay. So if you're not watching the screen, uh, you know, this is streaming on ms2waves.com. It's streaming on Vim. It's streaming on Theta. So that's all uh, things to keep in mind. So now that... <laughs> So now that we have a Uniswap pool, we can look at the Dark Engine Crystal price. So this is, if you see in the top left there, D-E-C-W-E-T-H times E-T-H USD. What that means is, uh, so the Uniswap pool is, is DEC over wrapped Ethereum, and the times Ethereum over USD, the Ethereum's cancel out, and you're left with DEC over USD. So this is how you look at uh, the, the, deck, the US dollar value of the DEC price in, a, in TradingView, uh, which is handy. I do the same thing for Rep Leo, actually, but it uh, uh, doesn't have the artifact errors that we see here from like November 8th to the 23rd. So I don't know what's going on with that, but, you know, for the most part, it's okay. So uh, the point of all this is that, you know, when you are when you are looking at, you know, trading dark energy crystals, you got to think, what is my upside? What is my downside? So, you know, given what we've talked about in, in past weeks about how the... Uh, dark energy crystals, because they're redeemed at par value of you know 1,000 splintoshis, uh, you know for for packs and for lands and for any kind of official purchases through the Splinterland site, then uh, that kind of gives us uh, a support level, because if you can if you can buy dark energy crystals, buy 2,000 of them and then convert that into a pack of cards, we know the expected value of a pack of cards because well we have a pretty rich market history, and then. You know, once the price of those 2,000 Dark Energy Crystals drops below the expected value of those cards, then it's worthwhile to just to just do that trade and, you know, just sell the cards. You come out with a net profit. And that, that bottom is, a, you know, depending on a couple, you know, factors with potions and things like that, that, that is around 65 uh, or 650 Splintoshis, which is pretty close to this, uh, to this bottom right here. That we saw at the December, December 9th, December 11th. So in that range, you know, there's two, two, well, really three wicks going downwards. You know that is that is basically the floor. On the flip side, you know the uh, you know the burn value of the cards is going to set the upper limit, and that's you know around 4,000 splintoshis. So uh, and that will change as the um, you know if the uh, burn rates of cards change. 
Uh, but, you know, uh, Yabba has mentioned that he's pretty happy with the burn rates as they are now. So there's nothing in in the near future that will that will do that. So that's kind of that's kind of your absolute range is, you know, 650 on the bottom, 4000 on the top. And, um, you know, in recent history, we've seen once it gets to 1000, once it gets to par value, people start burning cards quite a bit. So, uh, you know, if you're looking to, to trade, just just keep those ranges in mind. So, you know, 70 is a buy, you know, 1,000 or, or 700 is a buy, 1,000 is a sell. Um, and, you know, that's kind of exactly what we saw on this most recent uh, leg of, of the market. Now, also working into that, we had the run-up to pre-sale, lands pre-sale number three, which started on Saturday and is ongoing. Uh, so let's check out the status there. Uh, Splinterlands, come on. Splinterlands.com. Go to the shop. Uh, go to the shop. Land. And 18823 remaining. Let's, let's see. Boom, boom, boom. And yeah, so 18823 out of 30,000. That's kind of on pace. Uh, <laughs> uh, Yabba says, I think people might be getting a little burned out. That's a pun. <laughs> the card burning rates in deck are way lower than in the past. That is true. You know, the alphas, you know, uh, I, I still have some, like, some gold uh, promos, you know, from the Kickstarter, original Kickstarter. You know, those are have double the alpha burn rates. Uh, those are those are pretty sweet. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's definitely lower than, than it was because uh, an alpha common is 60 and an uh, untamed common is 10. So it's a 6x uh, change. Uh, might not be 10. It might be 20. But uh, it's a lot, <laughs> a lot different. So it takes a lot more cards, which is good. Uh, but, you know, with with the lands, uh, you know, as as far as we know, currently, they're going to require a lot of cards. And uh, I think we will see a lot of buying of those cheap uh, cards in order to maximize the monetary efficiency of uh, of those increases in whatever kind of yield. Uh, so, but, you know, 18,000 remaining out of 30,000, that means 11, a little over 11,000 have sold. And it's been open for four days, three days, what day is today? So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, yeah, let's call it three full days and we're into the fourth day now. Uh, that's actually not bad, uh, considering that, you know, we've already sold 60,000 plots in pre-sales one and two. And that's, you know, you got to figure that, each time you you sell more, you know people's demand for any kind of resource uh, is satisfied. So you know, I was actually thinking, it's like maybe I'll throw another tract worth of Dark Energy Crystals into like the final pool, final day pool, uh, run by Dave McCoy. Uh, but I decided not to. I, was, I have my region from pre-sale two. I'm getting my legendary totem, and I'm get I got a whole bunch of raffle tickets, so I'm good. Uh, you know, part of the difficulty with um, with the, you know whales and splinterlands is that you know splinterlands is still a very small ecosystem. You know it's it's the biggest blockchain game, right? It's one of the biggest blockchain apps, depending on how you measure things, uh, just in general. But you know in in dollar terms, it's it's still pretty small. Uh, so you know we saw the the market distortions that happened when a guy like J69 came in. And, you know, he bought, I don't know, 
$250,000 worth of stuff. Um, but, you know, it, it, that was too big a purchase for, or too big a position for this given uh, market. And, you know, it's growing. That's good. And, uh, you know, if we bring on 10,000 new players, then totally different story. But until then, you know, it's, you know, the whale's going to kind of be a little bit careful. Uh, so, like, when, when beta prices were at all-time lows because of dumping of other whales, you know, I consciously made that decision to not buy more. And, uh, you know, because it's it serves the ecosystem better in order to spread out the, uh, the asset base. So uh, that's what I did, even though I could have could have snapped up some bargains. <laughs> and I was telling people on the show, say, this is the time to buy. Uh, but, you know, what are you going to do? You know, for uh, for myself, um, you know, the uh, the um, for myself, the the spreading out is is more beneficial over the long term than just the direct benefit that I would get from, uh, you know, just buying and trading and or or staking cards into deck 404 and, and and making yield that way. So, yeah, let's drop in the link for the official pre-sale announcement. Is there anything, I mean, particular you were thinking of there, Yabba, for, for bringing in here? Uh, land pre-sales, 30,000, 30,000, 30,000. Post pre-sales, 60,000. Post pre-sales, also known as fill retail. But, uh, yeah, so the... Um, I believe the plan is that for anything unsold... At, at, for pre-sale number three, by December 31st, it's just going into the retail pot. Oh, I see. Are you responding to Lady Medusa? Gotcha. Um, so, yeah. Read the chat now. It's hard to talk and chat and browse stuff on the, on the interwebs at the same time. <laughs> Swoop is here. <laughs> Swoop is server muted. That's fine. Okay. And I, I didn't even do it because that must have been wrong. Uh... So, you know, that's all, uh, that's all great. Um, so, you know, Dark Energy Crystal, just keep those levels in mind, you know, if you're trading. Um, you know, the nice thing about Dark Energy Crystal being where it is now is that basically pre-sale number three is kind of the same price as the previous ones. Because even though it's more in Dark Energy Crystals, Dark Energy Crystals are cheaper. So the total, uh, the, you know, when you multiply those out, it comes out to be pretty close to the same. <laughs> uh, so, you know, with that, let's get into totems. Uh, let's see. So, you know, one of the things they talked about was that totems and lands and, and all those kind of, of resources will be rentable. And it's looking like legendary totems will be a double of production or utility for a given plot. And uh, so that's going to be uh, pretty useful. We're looking at, <laughs> but you got more raffle tickets. No, I got less raffle tickets. Uh, well, I mean, buyers now get ra more raffle tickets. Yes, that is true. Uh, so I, I was actually thinking about buying uh, a, a new region and selling the old one just to get more raffle tickets, but eh, too much work. Uh, so, you know, s some things that, that you haven't mentioned there on, on the pre-sale, so... Legendary totems will double the production and or utility of a plot. And obviously, if you put it on a high-level plot, then it's going to double a high-level uh, function. And we're looking at one summoner and some monsters, some number of monsters for, for a given plot. So uh, I'm still sticking with my, with my envelope math, saying, okay, 150,000. Uh, 150,000. 
uh, plots. We're going to say 60% of them require, uh, you know, monsters of some kind. It could be 100%, I don't know. But I'm saying 60%, I think it's conservative. And then each of them will require an average of two. So uh, it could be more, you know, uh, for higher levels, but average, you know, across the board. And that comes out to 180,000 cards. Uh, and that's a lot of cards. I mean, and that, who knows what kind of BCX that represents. Because, you know, the, um, uh, I'm, I'm confident in assuming that uh, a higher level monster or a higher level summoner will do more in a given plot uh, than a lower level one. So the same number of cards, but different numbers of BCX. Uh, so that is, is you know, going to be a huge market demand for those, for those cards. And, you know, if we look, you know, we always have to go back to the market. If we go to the market. Uh, do I need to do anything to activate my plots in game, or does it automatically happen in game once the pre-sales are all sold out? Ooh, Gabriel leveled up. I'll drink. I'll drink my water right here. So, <laughs> the, uh, the, you know, <laughs> Gabriel's drinking. Uh, Fox Coit has to go to sleep. Bye, Fox. Thanks for dropping in. So, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of cards that are going to be bought. So let's take a look at the market here. Let's look at commons. Common, common, common. Let's look across the board. So right now, the cheapest common you can buy is Nectar Queen, and it's 1.1 cent. And you can, you can get a bunch. So let's see. If we look at the bulk here, average price. Average price stays okay. You know, up through, up through um, you know, a max level. But then if we go into multiple maxes, let's say we need 800. Now we're starting to creep up. And you can see that in the, you know, it's a 40% increase <laughs> of, of the price. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot of liquidity for cards in the market, even though, you know, some of them are still pretty low price. So if we look at the Undead Rex, um, so even here, the, uh, you can see just on, on the chart here provided by Peak Monsters that if you look at, at, a, at a level 10, 400 BCX um, Undead Rex, that the average price goes up to 4.2 cents, which is, you know, basically quadruple from where it is now, three and a half times. So, you know, once these cards start getting bought up, then, you know, they're going to go fast. And so I think... You know, your, your low-priced beta commons, uh, alpha commons are, I mean, some people, I mean, some alpha commons are still pretty pretty approachable. Uh, so if we look at those, I guess a Minotaur Warrior, you can get some for, uh, ah, look at that, you can get a max level Minotaur Warrior for 6.6 .6 cents per BCX. <laughs> Gabriel's doing that with Nectar Queen already. Uh, you know, the, uh, so, I mean, there are, there are cards available, but once people start buying them up to put them into work on the lands, then, you know, this, the liquidity there is just going to disappear. So, I mean, your, so your, your beta commons, your, uh, some of the alpha commons that are still approachable, 
the out of print rewards cards um <laughs> when it's all gone people wake up yeah and then it'll be too late but you know part of the thing i like to do here with monster maverick is to let people know things that are coming you know things you know and you can make your your purchases and sales accordingly so you know if if deck goes above a thousand Flintoshis, that's a sell i'm telling you right now if it goes below 700 that's a buy I'm telling you right now uh so you know that's that's not financial advice but it's certainly kind of stuff i'm doing so take that for for what it is <laughs> we don't play any music on the show swoops you know it's, it's so no wicked game no uh whatever that other 80s song that you love is uh not happening so you know i'm i'm as part of deck 101 i actually check the markets every day as far as the current price feed and i have a spreadsheet and i, I manage our our uh our balances and everything so <laughs> uh financial advice he told us so you know i used to be an actual financial advisor i used to be series 65 investment advisor but uh, i am not any longer and i'm and you're certainly not paying me so i'm not your advisor uh so that's always something to keep in mind uh anywho <laughs> totally forgot oh kyoku's uh rewards list uh rewards cards list so let's check that out i haven't actually looked at this in a while uh so the things that are in print oh etten spearman is is coming up on its print limit how rude <laughs> you can always hire me you know I, I do take on clients uh not for financial advice but for uh you know tax planning and and cfo kind of stuff uh so yeah etten spearman baby unicorn uh are coming up on the print rate so those are these are cards I see a lot in Deck 101 because the prices are just so low <laughs> uh, that, uh, you know, they're they're like right above burning, but they're not high enough to sell, so they just build up in our account. Uh, Gelatinous Cube, so that's coming up. So the Jelly is a very uh, well-loved card, uh, and Screeching Vulture, also a very well-loved card that, uh, you know, has the... Um, you know it's an opportunity card it's flying it has a uh, scavenger and you know the cube is great is a great tank in a lot of cases so uh for a hundred dollars an hour uh yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean i'm actually raising my hourly rate so it's going to go well above that but um but yeah so so the jelly the vulture those are things to uh to keep an eye on if you are looking to finish off like a max level card you might want to do it before it runs out because as we typically see you know the the print run hits if it's a popular card the price spikes and then it retreats a bit but it's still above where it was before um so you know how much it retreats depends on the popularity of the card all that kind of stuff but uh you know jelly and vulture are, are both pretty popular cards so i would not be surprised to see those maintain a higher level than than some of the others uh Kyokiz also has a new toy which you might have seen uh some posts on but this is the Splinter Stats Season Report Card. And it's under the Splinter Stats uh, by, uh, account, I guess. And so, you know, he's been publishing statistics on various things. Uh, but, you know, this is a new thing that's, you know, uh, a player report card. So uh, I'll just, it's, it's not very long. I'll go ahead and read it. Most of this is just pictures. Uh, uh, introducing Splinter Stats season report cards for those who haven't been following along with Splinter Stats and my Kyoka's Splinter Stats statistics. Welcome. Currently available is my rewards cards page. Cards by League Cap 
and this blog, Splinter Sats, which posts daily and monthly statistics on mystery potions. Uh, today, I would like to introduce you to the Splinter Stats Season Report Card. That is a mouthful. It definitely needs a better name. <laughs> but uh, let's go to the link there. And, it, you know, he hosts everything on GitHub here. So let's take a look at my, at my uh, report card. So this is the actual application. It's thinking about it. So it spits out all this stuff. So here's image number one, top 10 summoner usages. I use Archmage Arius a lot, that is for sure. Uh, I've used Daria five times and I won every time, that's nice. I used Prince Renan 10 times, used win 80% of the time. Yoden I'm 50-50 on, which is ridiculous, because everybody's saying, oh, Yoden's so overpowered. I guess I'm just not that good with him, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Selenium, getting my butt kicked here. Uh, Play-Doh, I've been doing well with. Play-Doh, oh, I've, I've been getting a lot of fire quests lately, and, um, you know, for whatever reason. So that's been working out. Malwork I do well with. Mimosa I do well with. Uh, top 10 monster usage, obviously. Uh, Furious Chicken, <laughs> number one. Uh, that's why, I, you know, when Furious Chicken came out, I was so excited to, uh, to see that, because as a zero mana monster, uh, you know, it's just it's just a gimme. The only time you don't want to use it is in the no neutrals quest. And I have, like I think it was this morning. I was playing no neutrals quest, and then I was like, ah, use use the chicken when I didn't need to. Uh, but you know, I bought a bunch of gold foil furious chickens right from the beginning because I knew you know that ten percent bonus in dark Inch crystal that adds up over time for a single fixed time cost. You know, come on, sign me up. Uh, so I got like I don't know fifty or sixty of them. Uh, Arianthus I use a lot. Uh, you know, number one tank in the game there. Cobalt Miner. I like to sneak. Flame Monkey. Flame Monkey is such a great card. One mana. Repair. Swiftness. Love it. Flame Monkey with uh, Serpentine Spy or uh, Serpentine Soldier. You know, those are always good. Goblin Shaman I use a lot. Uh, let's see. What else do I got? Serpentine Mystic. People are sleeping on this card. This one right here. Serpentine Mystic is a great card. It's it's, I mean, it's Dragon Summoner, so, you know, you have whatever usage rate you have dragons with, but it has slow and it has affliction, and it's magic. So, and it's three mana. I mean, great card. I, I think people really underutilize Serpentine Mist. I don't think I've ever seen anybody else use it. Uh, anyway, and then on down from there. So it has all, all your monsters. Uh, so this is kind of similar to the report that, uh, that Yasek puts together, but it's like individual instead of, you know, league-wide. And rewards reports. So this is somewhat similar to, uh, to um, uh, monster ma monster market, but a little bit more in detail, which I like. Uh, loot chests here, and I'm earning you know about you know nine hundred something or ninety something, I guess. Um, uh, deck per win. Actually, what is that? 7041 divided by 74 is 95. Okay. Make sure I'm not doing my mental math wrong. Gabriel says, just like in Magic the Gathering investing, I heavily leaned all my card stocks into colorless cards, artifacts, and lands. Artifacts and lands can be used in any colored deck, so they'll always be the most played. Yeah. Yeah, the neutrals uh, perform that function really well. So when beta was closing up, you know, I bought a whole bunch of, of neutrals, uh, you know, across the board. Just to just to have them because they have that high utility factor. 
Uh, so let's see. What did I get last season? I got... I got uh, 112 cards. No legendaries. Jesus. <laughs> I should have got at least one. Okay. Uh, gold foils. I got two common... My, my, my cards rewards have just been crap lately. And this is proving it. Loot chests. Uh, got some potions. I uh, got some deck. You know, nothing great. I got packs, though. I did do well in packs. So that's that's solid. Um, in fact, you can clearly see that I ha that's the majority of my winnings, just is the, the untamed packs. I got nine, uh, nine there. And, yeah, and then, you know, 95 deck per, per win, which is good. You know, mine is fairly high because I use a lot of alpha gold foils. Um, so that, you know, effectively doubles my, uh, my rewards because, you know, average of, you know, call it five, um, cards so you know five times 20 is 100 percent because you know you get the you get the 10 percent bonus from alpha and the 10 percent bonus from gold foil so uh yeah maybe not 100 percent maybe 80 percent whatever i get a big bonus from that so that's uh and they're hard to sell so <laughs> might as well might as well use them that way anyway uh let's see the uh so we got we got this is kyokis's new tool i think it's pretty cool and you know give splitter stats a vote you know if you if you think it's useful uh in fact i will do that right now boom you know i very rarely use splintertalk.io but uh <laughs> such a splitter whale I'm, I'm just an early adopter that's really all all it was you know i i bought and i held you know i holdled i was holdling There's my HODL song right there. <laughs> Can't remember the last time I played against someone with an alpha legendary gold foil. Yeah, I got a few. Um, so I don't know if I have them maxed. I'd have to check on Peak Monsters. Let's see now. Now you've got me wondering. Because I know I have some, but I don't know if they're maxed. Let's see, alpha, gold... And then legendary. Uh, I got a frosty. So these are my alpha gold GFLs. But uh, yeah, so you know, frost giant. Uh, you know, the water splinter loves me, and I don't know why, but uh, I do pretty well with water splinter when I play it. You know, I'll play it with a quest. But I got so many frost giants back in the early days, and I don't, I wasn't seeking them out. They were all from packs. And uh, it's just, you know, is what it is. The problem is, Frost Giant's one of the, you know, least valuable, um, least valuable, uh, you know, legendaries. So, you know, it's, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> look at this guy out from flexing. You know, no, this is, I'll, I'll show you my flex. Uh, ooh, that's loud. I'll show you the flex. Bah, bah, bah. So, you know, being, being number one outside team member whale, my flex is just the whole account. And, uh, you know, Agrod sent me a, a DM uh, a week or two ago when the, you know, the, the value using list prices went over that 100 level. But, uh, you know, I, I use the 85 number. So still below all-time highs that I had in, um, you know, right when Untamed came out. But uh, not too far. You know, that so I went as high as like 92 or something like that. And then went as low as like 56. Uh, so, you know, quite a swing there, but, uh, we're, we're closing back in. 
Now, in in total market cap terms, uh, obviously we are at all time highs because you know there's just more cards out there uh, that are you know providing value amongst a larger player base than we had back in those uh, beta deck days. So, you know that's that's my flex, <laughs> and I don't even count aggro because you know obviously he has incentive to uh, keep everything uh, uh, moving. Yeah, J69 did exceed me. Then he, you know, blew himself up and whatever. Uh, <laughs> that guy's a nut. But, uh, yeah, Gerbot's not working, so that command does not seem to to work all the way. Yeah, so, Anarchist, that is an interesting point, and, uh, you know, uh, let's just say I keep it on the down low. <laughs> Uh, Gabriel says he, see, he says he's seeing a lot of unnoticed epic and legendary cards going up in value. Think that newbies are starting to play and just grabbing whatever cheapish epic or legendary they can afford. Others are getting quite high. Zin Voda is like $30 now. Yeah. Let's go to the market. I know that, I, you know, I, I opened all my dice and I had my gold foils that were excess. So I just, uh, I, I sold a bunch of those and those those summoners were doing well. Let's see, Zin. I'm not sure what card you're talking about there with Zinvoda. Zintar. Now, Zintar is not a legendary. <laughs> it's a good thing having a wife that is not tech savvy. That is true. Unit QM uh, says my report card is stuck on generating card usage statistics. That's interesting. Mine worked fine. Make sure you broadcasted the uh, the um, uh, the hive keychain transaction so that it actually you know spits out the stuff. But you know worked fine for me. So I don't know if you want to do tech support, you got to talk to Kyokiz. Uh and he's in Australia, so he's probably he's usually asleep at this time, but. Um, uh, you know, he'll be up in a few hours, I guess. Pretty busy guy, though. Uh, he's finishing off his university stuff. <laughs> Anywho, uh, what else did I want to hit today? Uh, totems we talked about. We only got a few minutes left. Uh, they will be rentable, uh, which will be great. You know, oh, one thing that I don't even have on my list that I wanted to talk about was, you know, we were talking in the Discord I think it was in the Monster Mavericks, or in the Mavericks House uh, channel, and uh, I realized that it's quite likely that, you know, as the lands produce resources, that people are going to target specific resource types. So they're going to try to corner the market, or at least be a large, uh, or, you know, a whale in the market of, like, Sparkstone and Virtulium and uh, whatever the other resources are. You know, the essences of the various splinters. Um, I think we're getting some kind of wood, and you know whatever else it is, rather than geographically. So uh, I think I think we're going to see a lot of that happen, and you know they will they will exercise outsized influence on the production of those resources. And assuming that they do good balance of of uh, of resources and and their use in the game, which you know I think is a reasonable assumption. They've done a good job of balance so far. That uh, you know you'll need a bit of everything. So if you have uh, a complete deck with all the splinters, then you need something, some kind of, um, uh, you know, the resources and the, the items and spells created from those resources of, of everything. So if somebody corners the market on Sparkstone, then, you know, they're going to be able to, to do what they want 
uh, with that. So it'll be interesting to see how that evolves. A lot of it's going to depend on the initial distribution of the of the uh, of the lands. So you know, I have a region. You know, thirty other people have regions. You know, some guilds have regions, and you know, if there's enough, it, you know, internal to those regions that are held by strong hands in single, you know, uh, single basically uh, players, then that will foil the market cornering strategy. Uh, but if not, if the if the luck hap just so happens that you know there's a lot of Sparkstone that's in independent hands, uh, you know then somebody could go in and and buy those up and kind of you know do a corner do, do a do a Mac Clark where <laughs> you know flesh golems are still you know way more expensive than everything else. And uh, uh, Paco saying anyone has experienced the craft in Star Wars Galaxies? Nope, I haven't played it. Uh, but some some other things I just did want to hit on before we run out of time is uh, guild brawls. Guild brawls are apparently working on the back end, uh, so it needs a UI. Uh, the gladiator cards need to be designed and all that kind of stuff, but that is working and coming. That'll be fun. Uh, so that's so the gladiator cards are going to be super interesting. You know they're only going to be useful in guild on guild guild on guild violence, uh, but uh, obviously every guild is going to want uh, their own and. The mechanics are unclear. Will they be guild assets and then each individual player can use them? Or does each individual player in the guild need to have their own? Don't know. We'll see. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, new rule sets are in the works and are coming <laughs> at some point. You know, Ag still wants his infinite trample. <laughs> infinite trample was great. You know, every time I get like a, a, a match, I forget the name of the... Unprotected, that's the name, where, where there's no shields uh, or no... Um, no armor. I know Biz likes to get on me for that. Uh, you know, I always put in trample. You know, whether it's uh, Magnor or Giant Rock or you know somebody else, uh, I like to have that. You know, that that trample, especially if you have Yoden and one of those, then you get uh, a kill, a blast, which kills the next guy, and then a trample onto the third guy, which then blasts the fourth guy. Love it. Oh yeah, but says guild assets. All right, very cool. So let's uh, let me update my notes there. Yeah, this says guild assets. Okay. Uh, let's see rentals. What do we got in rentals? Oh, right. So you know the new the new rental system being integrated uh, that you know that Jarvie came up with and apparently uh, you know they've been working on. We're looking at early twenty twenty one for that going live, uh, which is exciting. Uh, you know from you know, from what Jarvie has told me in the past, you know, it's going to be basically a, a very seamless uh, system where, you know, every, you know, player wants, you know, uh, player wants a Magnor, and they just goes and gets a Magnor, and not specifically one person's Magnor. So it's kind of a sort of a liquidity pool type approach, uh, which I'm I'm a big fan of, and hopefully uh, that will come out early 2021, maybe January, maybe February. And uh, we'll be able to, to use that because, you know, the, the, the rental system has kind of languished a bit, uh, especially since the transition to Hive. Uh, but hopefully that'll, this will re-energize it quite a bit. Uh, last note about user growth. User growth is everything, as I've say, said again and again and again. Um, the uh, free-to-play users are converting at 12%, and they're converting better on desktop than on mobile. 12% uh, is great. Um, you know, Brave apparently has had a thousand signups, ten percent conversion there, and obviously the the mobile um, 
the mobile app is suffering from the fact that there is no tutorial on that uh, as of yet, so that needs to be done. But overall, I'm very encouraged by those kinds of numbers because, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but, you know, Bitcoin's back at, you know, right now it's at 23,430. Uh, so, you know, it popped over 24,000 for just uh, a minute there and hit 24,3. Now we're at 23,4. But, um, you know, the normies are coming because they're going to see all of, all that stuff about uh, on the news about, like, oh, Bitcoin's new all-time highs. And once that news cycle gets into the, the mainstream mind, then all those people come in and they say, well, I don't want to spend $24,000. Uh, on a, on a Bitcoin, I'll look at these other things, and then they get they funnel into all the different alt projects. So that is uh, that is a source of new players, and it's a big one. So um, I am for one, I'm looking forward to the bull run, and I think we're going to see a lot of things just go crazy here in just a short while. So that's it for me this week, and uh, we will see you next time. <laughs>